I'm going to now read our scripture passage for today, and um, you've probably heard it said before up here that we we like to include large chunks of passages um, on Sunday morning, not to torture those who are reading them, like me, and have to read from the Old Testament, but because sometimes it's hard for us to get into the Bible. It's during the week and the busy weeks. We, you know, we're all encouraged to do so, but it's just hard to get into the Word sometimes. And so we want to, you to see a large chunk of Scripture, to digest and, and to really um, think about things um, as we read it. So I'm going to read this. Bear with me. And then um, we'll hear from Pastor Howard. It comes from Genesis 2, 4 through 25, and then also from Romans 1, 16 through 32. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and it was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there, was, there he put the man who he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made, the spring, made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first was Phison. It was one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, and there is and and there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and onyx stone were there. The name of the second river is Gion. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush, and the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make for him a helper fit for him. Now, now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed, it up, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. In Romans 1, 16 through 32. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteousness 
the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of the hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relationships, relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parent, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they, knew, though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they do not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And uh, we're going to continue in our sermon series on being human. Um, last week, we explored some foundational truth about what it means to be human. In the first of this sermon series on, on the first of the sermon series, first sermon in the sermon series on being human. And uh, one of the things that we saw from the Bible is that, human, is that human beings are made in the likeness of God, the image of God, that they were given some of God's qualities, that we reflect, if you will, some of God's ways in our humanity. Today we are going to explore one of those ways we reflect God in being human, being creative creatures, and how we can once again and and are called to continue to be creative creatures in a fallen and broken world. That just like God is creator of heaven and earth and formed and shaped this world, we too, in step with him, number one, were created to be creative. And secondly, when we live contrary to him, are condemned by our creativity. But finally, by his grace, able to be recreated by God himself. So the Bible tells us that God made the man and then put him in the garden with the animals. And and if you look at the reading in in chapter 2 of Genesis, he put him in the garden with the animals and stones and metals. and, And then he has all of these plants, some for eating and others just budding. And then out of his rib, he gets a woman. How can I explain this? Adam just got dropped in the garden like kids at Legoland. 
or, or my wife in Kitchen Stadium, or right now if you drop me in a room full of Auburn fans. You can get real creative with that kind of stuff. You and I were created in, I went to Clemson, we won yesterday. Okay, you were created and have it in you to do something with this world, to, to make something out of what, what God has created here, to make this stuff work together and connect and make sense and be known and mattered and show its value and, and to help it and us be seen and expressed and fit and not fit and stand out or stand in and stand up or, or lay down to make the stuff that God has created sing and dance under your direction to tell the sopranos and altos and basses of the animal and plant kingdom which row in environment they should roar and wave and stand and sprout in. Being creative is God's call to take his creation and, and put a caption to what God has made, to, to put a film to it, a song to it, some words to it, to a screw and nut and bolt and beam through it, or a formula for it, a, a rhythm or move with it or, or for it or out of it or, or him or, or you and me to do it, to, to capture and promote and produce and, and bring proper attention to its God's created value and properties and abilities and place and relationship, taste and tendency to harmonize it rightly, to score it better and greater and add it where it belongs with other things, seasoned and accentuated, not just food and art and music, but government and and economic theory and resource and and people management and science and, and engineering and architecture to be creative. So here's what I want you to do and what this means for you and me. Go create Go make something out of something. Go illustrate it. Go design it. Make better ways to do dinner and balance the budget and save money. And maybe some of you need to explore your artistic side. Go paint. Take a class in something. Get something different on your iTunes. Go go to a concert or a museum or or a lecture. Go see the movie at the artsy theater, right? Go, Go eat something more than McDonald's or the meat and two vegetables place. Try a place that doesn't have wings as an appetizer. Or doesn't have a, even have a deep fryer in the kitchen. Good luck finding that in the South. Go sing. Sing loudly in the shower. Go redo your yard. Do some landscaping. Pick, landscaping. Pick up that instrument for middle school. Join or start a band. Engineer some software. Go take a class on engine repair, cooking or something. Create and let creativity touch you, affect, and be an aficionado. Be the creative creature God made you. But before we start pulling this world apart and putting it back together again, before I let y'all go and loose with your creative juices squeeze up by what the Bible says about you, here are some things you need to know about being the creative creature you are called to be. Being creative, considering your creativity is Understand it is not a self-derived, uh, you know, it is not self-derived, but, but it's generated. It's an originally manufactured speck of God himself. Being creative means that we are made to express in and through and with creation love for God, his creation, and each other, right? That we are driven to, to be creative and, 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 and make and do and construct and enforce and inform and hyperbolize or minimize. That we are inspired because we are first aspired by God. That we do what shows love and gives props for the one who gave each one of you the breath of life. 
that we create with thanks and glory and divinely copywritten respect to the one who made it with the beauty and truth and good that he alone could have given it. Let me make it clear real quick. You made none of the stuff you are working with in your creativity. It came from somewhere. Your words, the clay, the paint, the pulse that makes the beat came from somewhere or better yet, someone. And God has this in the large print of everything we take to do it, to create, to form, to shape, to design and build for his glory like you love him. Look at how this works out. The Bible says this in verse 15 of chapter 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and, and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day that you eat it you shall surely die. Let me make sure I'm reading the right verse. Okay. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for that man, good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And then look at verse 22 through 23. And the rib, uh, okay, so verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up in the place with flesh. And the, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman sorry, uh, into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. When Adam named the animals and dealt with the plants and and, and then named the other human, woman, in creative flow, he did it because God put him there and gave them to Adam to express the beauty and truth and good of God on it. Now, it does not mean that Adam had to put God's name in all the names. You are bear, God. You are tiger, God. You know, you know that kind of thing. In other words, expressing love for God does not immediately require that it be a worship song or only done with pictures of Jesus or explicitly Christian. Look at what Adam does when Eve is brought to him. He sings a love song, if you will. Probably, uh, when I look at this meter and rhyme, and Pastor George and I were talking about it, it's probably closer to a rap. He went LL Cool J, I'm in love, girl, on it, right? When, when God gave him to Adam to name her, to do what he should by God's design with and to her, it, it was love, intimacy. This is a very sexy song, not completely intended for Sunday morning. It's the words. We could sing it. But like, like we have in a song of songs in the Bible. But it was creatively driven and expressing of love of God's beauty and good and truth. But not only that, but love for each other. This melody, this rhyme, this flow that Adam gave Eve was a song for her that said, not only do I love you, but God loves you. That the names Adam gave the animals and the way he would order the plants said, God gives you value. The Lord loves what he has created. And it teaches us something else besides expressing love for God and his creation. But we should be creative so that we can be touched, touched by the beauty, love, and good of God, the love of God in his creation. As this creative creatures, we should do what it takes to be touched. Using color, by sound, by the taste, 
by the animal kingdom, by the sky that we might miss, by the very emotions that God has put in us, by the truth and beauty and good that God has put in our minds and emotions that we may not have tapped into. You need to help us by being creative, to help us feel it, help us be touched by it, to experience what God has put in place. Write it so we can. Design it so we can. We need you to sing it so we can. Manage it so we can. Put order in it so we can. Find ways to administrate it so we can. Make it louder so we can. Paint it in odd color so we can can feel it. Use strong language so we can. Find ways to teach it. Make the bass hard-hitting so we can. Wear it so we can. Move back and forth. Cook it so we can feel and touch and be loved by God and each other. And in the garden, it was all good. This was the most creative place ever. It's all good and beautiful and true. But we ain't in the garden no more, are we? In fact, God revoked our garden visa. We can't go back there. He put an angelic electric fire fence around that thing, according to the Bible. You ain't getting over that border. We are all proper use, illegal immigrants of God's truth, beauty, and goodness. Because when Adam and Eve disobeyed and ate of the tree of the knowledge, good and evil, they became political enemies and terrorists and aliens of God's beauty, good, and truth. So now as the busted version of that image, we are condemned by our creativity. And the Apostle Paul picks up on that, on what that means. Look at the Romans passage with me. See if I can flip over here without messing up. Look at verse 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his perceived for, sorry, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So there without excuse, for, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, their foolish hearts were darkened, darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images." resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the create, cre- creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Some bad news right there. What is Paul saying about our creativity as humans? We as humans have become mad scientists with our ingenuity. We have become Dr. Frankenstein, creative and brilliant, but sinister and twisted. We've taken our good and beautiful and true calls to to hyperbole the truth, good and beauty, and created truth, and we've made ugly distortions until what was true is not. It is now a lie or lying to us and making us lie to ourselves. Now the things we can and may and do create lead us away from being touched and seeing and knowing and able to know God and his truth and love. Now we bash what it is and and profane what it is and hate what it is. Paul is saying human beings will create out of our hatred for God and how how he has made it and who he has made it, the stuff and human beings. 
It's crazy because now we poo-poo good, right? We poo-poo good. True and beauty is offensive and limited and boring. Like he says here, we've taken the animals and the plants and the metals, and instead of bringing out their good beauty and truth, we actually made them tell a lie about who they are and where they come from and who we are and, most importantly, who God is. We've actually made them lead us and leave us where we shouldn't. I'm not talking against, you know, writing a good fantasy novel, a fiction book, or sci-fi, or even a good horror film, or even a book that doesn't mention God. Those can still be fine. It isn't the genre. It is what it is designed and set to say about the Lord and human beings ultimately. Does it do more than exaggerate? Does it hate God? Does it hate you and me? Does it indoctrinate our hearts and mind and driven to indoctrinate and shape our minds and hearts away from what it means to be truly human and lie to us about our value, worth, and dignity, and even about our degradation? And now, in a horrific turn of events because of sin, we make art and music and relationship and business and organization and science the God and the good and the truth, and the beauty for themselves, and not about being from the Lord. There's some good, beautiful, and true stuff out there not put out by Christians. As a matter of fact, if you say, hey, we're going to see a Christian movie, most of y'all in here moan, oh, man. This is Christian music, oh, man. Let's turn to the Christian. And it is not that they non-Christian stuff done by Christians. And we had a professor that said, is a burger only good if a Christian makes it? I hope not. A lot of non-Christians cooking burgers and I'm eating them. And it's not that, again, they aren't really good, beautiful, and true. Man, some of the best creative stuff is done by people who don't believe in God. It's the goal of these things. Because they are so beautiful, so true, so good, they can become an end to themselves. That things are just done to just be that, good, beautiful, and true. And that is your final hope and final story from that story and expression. Not talking against, I'm not talking against right minimalism or deconstructionalism, but in the human experience, I am talking against beauty, good, and true, done for evil or for nothingness. Carl Ellis, theologian and friend of ours at the PCA, talks about ghetto nihilism. That the expressions in some of the music, and in particular he explores rap music, it isn't just explaining the frustration of what it means to to live where folk are living and experience what they're experiencing. That's one thing to be just an exposition of those things, but the end of it is nothingness. So let's just get as rich as we can and and take advantage of it as we can. Let's just live and and maybe we'll live and if we die, we die for not nothing. We We die for nothing rather. It is worth dying for. It's a nothingness I am talking about. Look back at Adam when he is given Eve. Look back at verse 22, if you will. And the rib that God, that the Lord God had taken from 
the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Let me level with you. The woman later named Eve was naked. And it turned Adam on to song. To worship not her directly, but the truth of God's action to and in her. He says, this is good because she was taken out of man. This is what God has done. God has given you purpose. He's saying, that is why you, Eve, are true, beautiful, and good. And I will treat you as bone of my bones with dignity and, and sexual and sensual actions and response that are true and good and beautiful. But if we look at Romans... It's saying that we're now going to use this, our bodies and not treat them with true and good and beautiful dignity. And I'm trying to make a contrast between creativity that loves and tells the truth and hates and tells a lie. Paul is addressing being creative in ways that hurt, twist, shame, break, and mar what God has made good, beautiful, and true about each other. Right, gender distinctions, sexuality, nudity, intimacy can be good. There can be good and true and beautiful and God-honoring people loving nudity and sexuality, but that and recreational sexuality, pornography, lewdness, and voyeurism, though from the same creative root, are not the same thing. But get this, I was talking to Giorgio again. We have some good conversations about this. For Lucy and Ricky on the I Love Lucy show to sleep in separate beds as a married couple on TV and be cast as not having a central bone in their bodies and yet have a kid too is kind of wrong too. That's a lie. Somehow little Ricky got here. Come on. Ricardo, he loves Lucy. If I had Lucy, we wouldn't sleep in two separate beds. If you had Lucy, you wouldn't either. If you had Ricardo, you wouldn't. You know, I, I think the Cosby show did well with this. You know, Cliff and Clear. You, I mean, you know Cliff and Clear had sex and were sensual. You didn't have to see it. They just looked at each other. Good, true, beautiful. The man love his wife. They just point upstairs and walk up together. But sexual perversion and shameful exposure, art, film, whatever, hates the commitment and the intimacy in the God who made this to do this with this person, do with this person nature. It hates what it means to be a man and a woman. Genesis said the man and his woman were naked and felt no shame. There was no hatred about what it meant to be naked and seen and sexual. No pressure or fabricated lies about what intimacy and sex and nakedness means. But now we are shamed and marked by this. end of Romans. What is he saying? Verse 28 through 32. All the creativity, all creativity can be used in hateful and selfish and in ways where you are lied to. That you are really being loved. When you are being used and abused and hated. And some of these ways are, are so creative. 
And we are so broken that some of us can't tell whether we're being loved with or experiencing beauty or truth or whether we're experiencing good art or or whether this thing, hey man, it's just so real. It's so true. It's so good. It's so beautiful. Uh, We are so good. No, we are so condemned at being creative. We can't live in the truth. Now that is one incredible and terrible creativity that we are trapped in. Human beings have built and shaped a beautiful prison for themselves. Luxuriously trapped and amused to death. We just watch anything. We go to anything. We make anything. And we don't know. We're being lied to. But Paul starts this section with these statements. Look at verse 16 with me. In Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Good news. God doesn't want our creativity lost or abused, misused or devalued as we have made it. He wants through the gospel to reopen and restore and reconnect us to the creative power and flow that we forfeited or may have forgotten. And what is that gospel that God would recreate and save and reset and redeem human beings from the downward spiral of the fall, and more specifically in this case from being condemned by our fallen creativity? But if we are forbidden from the garden, from the place of our creative instincts and alienated from God, the person of creative inspiration, how can this happen? Simply put, God has made, he's shaped. God has designed a plan and a way out of no way. He has created a way for us to be redeemed from our condemnation that we could not and cannot save ourselves from. God got creative in saving us and once again inspired us to good and beauty and truth and all we build and shape and carve and sing and say or create. If we just consider the creation story, understand that the Lord was the original artist. And it was his original artistry that loved us and showed love for us, that that made us able to do the same as human beings. The story of salvation is not much different. Look back one more time at verse 21 in Genesis. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought it to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Do you realize how bloody this scene must have been? I thought about it the other day. I'm like, okay, he went and got a rib out of the man. Can we get a live illustration? Anybody willing to volunteer? I mean, what would it look like for us to pull a rib out of somebody? It's like the original horror movie or something, right? 
he opened up the man and he pulls on a bloody piece of flesh and bone. We don't do butcher stuff or see surgery or death much, but this was nasty. I'm glad I didn't see it. I might have thrown up or fainted. A rib, just a bloody piece of meat that the Bible says God with all his skill built. The word is built into a woman. And out of Adam's sacrifice, out of Adam giving his blood, out of his side came Eve. A new creation like the original in the glory of the original. God sent his son Jesus, the Bible says, to be the second Adam. And he caused his side to be split open with a spear and blood and water flowed. He was beaten and nails driven through his wrist and feet to pay the penalty of our sin and condemnation and creative sin against God. And out of the goriness and blood of our sin and Jesus' sacrifice on a cross, God creatively wrote a new story. He painted a new picture of, out of blood, a, a, a new picture for our lives, gave us a new song to sing and a, a, a new food of grace to eat. He, he remade and recast us in a drama of salvation. And you and I, humans, could be made new and saved and redeemed. The Bible says a new creation, a new man, a new woman, knowing the love of God through Christ. Touched by God's beauty and truth and goodness. God, through Jesus, created redemption and recreated us. And now you and I, broken and fallen and living in a condemning world, are free. We're, we're called in this world to out of the bloody and gory and dark and yet to be completely redeemed world, to produce, as the word dominion means in the Hebrew, to dig out, to pull out, to pull up, to bring out beauty and goodness and truth of God and love for God and each other out of this world. It means that you, that you and I have to join. We, we actually have to be creative to connect this world to the story of the original creator, to make it good and beautiful and true sense of it now. We, we have to do it and interact with the creativity of the world in ways that in our own heart and our own doing give glory to God. Which means some of you are not being faithful to the gospel. Because you're being exclusionary. You, you've actually cut yourself off from this world in its creativity out of a lack of belief, lack of faith that God could powerfully touch you through it, that you could love others through it. So you think being Christian is not being caught up in the scientific exploration or artistic world of film and music that isn't explicitly Christian. Wrong! Paul says, I believe in the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. And then on the other side, some of us, have we don't have the freedom. I mean, actually, we have the freedom to not interact with what may be beautiful, true, and good, but because it hates on us. Some of the stuff out there just makes you feel the wrong pain. It makes us want to sin, and then we need to stay away from it. There are some art shows and movies some of us don't need to go to. Some of you can't and shouldn't go or do regardless of how beautiful true and good it is i've done it remember in seminary three covenant seminary students all but covenant seminary sweatshirts looking like nerds going to see some artsy film 
we heard about and read in like the little magazine. Oh, we've got to see this because this is an artsy thing and, and we need to explore it so we can be more informed. We went in there. We shouldn't have gone in there. That thing was wild. And we sat in there too because we, you know, we, we got to be artistic. I didn't need to be in there. Some of you shouldn't go to the new restaurant or to, to the Artesian Bear Festival or brew your own beer. You don't need to do that. I don't care how good, true, and beautiful and artsy it is because you will spend money you don't have or get drunk. Simple. As recreated by the grace of God creatures who creatively do all they do with words and paint and music and dance and film administration and leadership and government and resource management and farming and mining and business and technology and science. The gospel says you now are free by the power of Jesus Christ for his glory, able to create and enjoy what has been creative, created that is good, true, and beautiful because of the grace of God.